Welcome to Radio Curious. I'm Barry Vogel. You may remember the Radio Curious interview with Bernard Offen, recorded in May of 2005, available at radiocurious.org by searching Poland, and rebroadcast the end of May 2017. In telling the story of his youth in Poland during World War II and being forced into four different concentration camps established and controlled by the Nazis in occupied Poland, Bernard often characterized those camps as Polish concentration camps. Soon after the 2017 rebroadcast of the Bernard Offen interview, I received an email from Stefan Komar, our guest in this edition of Radio Curious. Komar pointed out that calling any German concentration camp in German-occupied Poland, Polish, is insensitive to the families of the millions of ethnic Poles who, along with millions of Polish Jews, were killed, forced into slave labor, tortured, maimed, terrorized, and starved during the brutal, inhuman occupation of Poland by Germany in the name of Deutschland. Komar, born in Queens, New York, lived in Warsaw, Poland for about 10 years, beginning when he was 12 years old. Currently, Komar is a captain in the New York Police Department and has served with the NYPD for 37 years. A few days before Stefan Komar and I visited by phone from his home in Queens, New York on January 28, 2018, many newspapers, including the Los Angeles Times, reported a bill passed by the lower house of Poland's parliament would make it illegal to utter the phrase Polish concentration camp or to assign Poland culpability for Nazi crimes committed on its soil. The Israeli government was infuriated. As reported in Reuters and other news outlets, Israel called this Polish law revisionary history. This is clearly an issue to follow. In doing so, Komar provided a link to a website called A Platform for Polish-Jewish Dialogue which may be found at dialogue.org, that's D-I-A-L-O-G dot org, and a discussion on how the World War II Nazi-occupied Poland should be characterized. These links may be found on radiocurious.org. Stefan Komar and I unfortunately did not directly discuss the new law or the Israeli reaction. We did, however, put the topic in context from his point of view and began when I asked him to discuss the characterization of these Nazi concentration camps. there has been a trend in the, in the media to refer to the German concentration camps in occupied Poland as uh, Polish, which, um, uh, you know, Polish people find uh, actually quite disrespectful, offensive, and, and misleading. So I understand, Stefan Komar, 
that uh, you're involved in uh, a committee to develop uh, a Polish-Jewish dialogue. Can you tell us about that committee and its goals? Basically, it's, um, you know, a group of, uh, you know, there's uh, several people on uh, from uh, the Jewish community and the Polish community uh, who meet and... Um, and they discuss uh, the uh, topics uh, that are uh, controversial, but do it in a friendly, open, open-minded way, and um, have been able to find common ground, and are trying to capitalize on that common ground for the benefit of both communities. Would it be fair to assume then that in the past uh, the ground had not been common ground? There had been uh, strong differences of opinion. There have been very strong differences of opinion, and there have been many attempts uh, to uh, you know engage in dialogue. Uh, you know, different times between different groups. You know, it's something to, it, that's worth pursuing. And yes, there are, uh, you know, a lot of uh, disagreements in regards to uh, Polish-Jewish history and and relations. Um, And the best way to solve, to resolve them is really through uh, talking. What are the areas of disagreement? Well, Poland just passed a law that makes it uh, illegal to use the Polish concentration camp phrase. So it's a very current topic. And Israel reacted very emotionally and strongly, saying that this law somehow involves denial of, uh, you know, certain role of Poles in, in the Holocaust. So the Polish people who were presumably or allegedly uh, involved in the Holocaust, is it fair to assume they were doing it under duress uh, of the German government? Well, uh, you'd have to really take a look at it on a case-by-case basis. Uh, there's been, uh, there were many reasons uh, for, for that, uh, and probably one of the major ones would be criminality. You know, basically under the German occupiers, the Polish justice system didn't, didn't exist. Um, the people who were the authority in German-occupied Poland were, cre- were the ones committing all and the most heinous crimes imaginable. Uh, and these were the people who, uh, you know, were sort of in charge of, uh, you know, maintaining crime. Uh, so, I mean, you can only imagine uh, the effect that had on criminality uh, and how to contain it. Try to imagine, uh, you know, I don't know if you know the history of New York City, but in the 1980s, 2,000 people were getting killed on a daily basis, um, and crime was uh, through the roof. And that's with a, uh, a functioning police department, a functioning criminal justice system with courts, detectives, prosecutors, and jails. Uh, now, try to imagine a situation in New York City that didn't have a, a functioning police department, uh, jails, prosecutors, or courts. Just, I mean, just try to imagine any society uh, where that would be the case. Unfortunately, the people who, you know, might have tendencies to do things that uh, the rest of society uh, would not uh, be in you know, agreement with, you know, would be running amok. And unfortunately, uh, in, Ger- in German-occupied Poland, the actual people in authority were running amok. 
But the question is, who were those people who had the authority? The Germans. And they were directing the Polish people to act at, the, at their behest of the Germans. Not, not exactly. Tell me what you know. The Germans were actually persecuting the Poles. Hitler advised his generals prior to the war to kill without mercy all men, women, and children of uh, Polish extraction and language. So Poles were, in, in the Nazi scheme, German Nazi scheme, were destined for annihilation and were to be used as a labor force uh, initially, but eventually destined for complete annihilation. And their, ter- and their lands were to be taken uh, and colonized by Germans. That was, the, uh, that was what was going on. That was part of the German goal. And, and the Jews were also considered subhuman, just like the Poles, and were also targeted for annihilation. By the end of the war, uh, three million Polish Jews uh, perished, uh, but three million Poles, not of Jewish religion or nationality, perished as well in addition to 3 million other European Jews for a total of 6 million Jews, 3 million Pol- uh, 6 million Polish citizens, 3 million Poles, and 3 million Polish Jews. Uh, so 3 million and 3 million of those that were in Poland. Uh, so the rate of killing was about the same. The problem, uh, the issue is that there were just more Poles uh, who, you know, the Germans just didn't get to. Uh, they ran out of time. So let's go back into your personal history. Um, Having been born in uh, Queens, New York, and your first 12 years you lived in in New York City, and Mm -hmm. when you were 12, your father took you to live in Warsaw. Correct. Right right at the end of the uh, Soviet-imposed communism in Poland. Correct. Um, Arriving in... um, in Poland, knowing very few words uh, of Polish, you went through high school and became Correct. fluent in Polish. Correct. How did that experience affect your worldview? You know, it's very, very interesting, actually, because when I lived in the United States, it was pretty much accepted that communism was, uh, was not a good thing. The Soviet Union was not a good thing. And then I go to Poland... And I actually meet communists. And, you know, I never imagined I would meet anybody who would uh, try to defend communism and, and the Soviet Union. And, and I did. And it kind of forced me to uh, learn to take in their arguments, uh, be able to debate what they were uh, trying to say. And, 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 and this was actually in, um, you know, in a private setting. And at first, it was like I was stunned that that somebody would actually, uh, you know, try to defend, uh, you know, communism and, and the Soviet Union. Um, and then they did, and that and that these people were actually, you know, human. <laughs> you know, that they were actually had feelings. They were, uh, you know, normal in a lot of ways. They could be funny. They could be witty. Uh, they, you know, and these were normal people. And then and that, you know, and then I'm coming face to face, and and they have a totally different uh, position on things. And it just learned, it just taught me, number one, how uh, you know, first of all, people's backgrounds affect their their opinions, and it really also taught me to be very uh, aware of uh, propaganda or what people are taught and from what perspective, and that human beings can have 
who are you know have more in common than than not um, can be conditioned to to think differently. Stefan Komar is a captain in the New York Police Department and deeply rooted in Polish culture in New York and in Poland. He's sharing his life experiences and explaining the millions of ethnic Poles who were killed in Nazi-built and controlled concentration camps in German-occupied Poland, along with millions of Jews during World War II. You're listening to Radio Curious. I'm Barry Vogel. Stefan Komar, what prompted your father to move with you to Warsaw, Poland? Well, my father was, you know, as a young man, was in the Polish underground. So according to uh, his friends during the, you know, in the, in the underground, you know, he approached a German officer or German soldier and, and remove the weapons from the Germans. He was assigned duties to kill spies. Actually, I think he was in one or two, but uh, in, in neither case he was he able to actually uh, to do it. And then uh, he ended up uh, in the Warsaw Uprising. That was in 1944 when there was an uprising in the ghetto against the Nazis who had uh, forced all of the Jewish people to live within the ghetto. Yes, and and that is a very typical response that I that I get here in this in this country, because actually um, they were Warsaw is probably the only uh, city in uh, German occupied Europe, and certainly the only capital which actually had two uprisings against the German Nazis. One was the 1943 Jewish ghetto uprising, and then was a year later was the uh, 1944 uprising of the whole city, in which actually some of the Jewish fighters of the Warsaw ghetto uprising actually also took part. And actually, in the Jewish, the Warsaw ghetto uprising, there were, and this is uh, contested, but there were also Polish underground fighters fighting within the ghetto walls on the side of the Jewish uh, ghetto fighters. But you probably were not aware of that second one, which was actually of the whole city. It lasted 63 days. It should have been a successful uprising because the Russian army, Soviet army, was on the other side of the river. Uh, They had been approaching Warsaw, and they were encouraging the Polish underground to rise up and coordinate with them the liberation of the city, something that had occurred in other cities in eastern Poland where the Soviets approached the city and the Polish underground assisted them. So now, in the approach to Warsaw, the city rises up, unfortunately was um, liberated for a few days, and then the Soviets, you know, just stopped in their tracks and then watched as the Germans brought in reinforcements, uh, you know, panzer units and, uh, and units comprised of uh, actual criminals. And basically the uh, slaughter of the Warsaw population began. Like, for example, in one, in one particular uh, district, within a few days, 60,000 people were simply killed, men, women, and children. That had absolutely nothing to do with the uh, uprising. So basically, after the war, 
the and, and during the war, the Polish underground was um, considered a threat to uh, Soviet rule, um, and so all members of the underground and and just non-communists in general were subject to arrest, uh, and they were actually hunted down. Uh, so when they really should have been treated as heroes, um, they were considered by the Soviets as as Nazis. I would like to remind you that the Soviet Union, to a few, you know, at the beginning of nineteen thirty uh, of the war in nineteen thirty nine, actually invaded Poland uh, from the east two weeks after Germany invaded from the west, and in in accordance to a pre-signed treaty between the two countries aiming to divide Poland. During that time, approximately 1.5 million Poles were deported and, and, and half of them perished in, in the Russian gulag. The Soviet army would arrest uh, and disarm the Polish underground, and those that refused to join the uh, Soviet-controlled communist Polish army uh, would either kill them or send them to the gulag or send them to prison. These facts are not really known. Certainly in Poland they were not known by, by many because of censorship in post-World War II Poland. And, you know, basically what that meant was you could get arrested for uh, basically mentioning that, uh, you know, the Soviet Union invaded Poland and that they killed uh, Polish uh, people. And the uh, Soviets basically uh, considered the Poles, uh, you know, Nazis and as allies of Germany when, in fact, the Poles were victims of uh, the German Nazis. All around the world, initially, prior to World War II, for example, many communists and leftists were, uh, you know, gearing up, uh, you know, were opposed to German, uh, Nazi Germany and were uh, alarmed by the things that they were saying and doing. Uh, especially since the, the the German Nazis and the pre uh, the predecessors of the German Nazis were very brutal with the German communists, and they were very hostile to, to Nazi Germany. However, when and and when German Nazi Germany attacked Poland, Poland was uh, you know they sympathized with Poland, uh, and this is by looking at let's say uh, you know I'll, I'll pick the extreme uh, the Communist Party uh, papers. And what year are you referring to now? Uh, this would be 1939. 1939. So, so now, when once the Soviet Union uh, invaded Poland from the east, all uh, communist and many leftist publications, organizations, began to treat Poland uh, as if it deserved to be invaded. Uh, and and while prior to the war. Uh, communist and leftist organizations were trying to get the United States government, for example, to start arming itself to prepare for war with Germany. Once the Soviet Union invaded Poland, those uh, attempts uh, stopped, and all of a sudden they became uh, organizations uh, looking for peace to disarm. Uh, you know, we should not be going to war with Germany because Germany was an ally then of the Soviet Union. And uh, and Stalin was very uh, very happy and pleased to be an ally of of Hitler. 
Um, and then, of course, cynically, uh, and, and basically the Soviet Union allowed Germany to reach peak power. They provided Germany with resources, peace of mind, not having to worry about being uh, attacked from the east if once they attacked France and, and the Western allies. They exchanged intelligence, they exchanged prisoners, and they had all sorts of ceremonies celebrating their uh, um, takeover of Poland and their friendship and blah, 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 blah. Something that is really not talked about here. Now, after the war, because of the betrayal of the uh, Soviet Union, of the Warsaw Uprising fighters, and how they treated the underground, arresting them, uh, many of my father's friends, after World War II, when they should have been treated as heroes, they were arrested and in spent 10 years in jail of their young lives and coming out severely ill. Um, many of them were actually killed, tortured and killed. And Poland is, is, is now beginning to discover bodies of people, Polish heroes, who were killed under false pretenses in, after mock trials. They're now beginning to uh, uncover their, find their, their, uh, their bodies because they didn't even have the decency to return the bodies to their families so they, they can give them a proper burial. So the second uprising got no monument, was downplayed by the, um, by the Soviet-backed communist government, and basically they wouldn't talk about it. It was not, you know, you basically, it was not uh, really talked about and was, you know, because of the censorship and the fact that um, there were so many uh, things that would, were negative about the Soviet Union that could pop up once talking about that second Warsaw Uprising. In, in this country, uh, it seems like the media kind of, uh, you know, had that same approach. And, and currently, we're several generations beyond World War II. Correct. But let's be current here for a minute. And can you share with us from your perspective uh, the aspects of Nazi Germany that still exist uh, in Europe and, and as you see them in the United States? In your work uh, as having been a member of the New York City Police Department uh, since 1987 and a captain for uh, the past 16 plus years. Uh, since Donald Trump has been in office as president of the United States, there seems to be an increase uh, in uh, disparaging attitudes towards people of color um, by him in his tweets and other public uh, statements. To try to make a comparison between Trump and German and, and Nazi Germany, I don't know. At this point in the game, I, I mean, I would think that would uh, be a, a gross gross exaggeration that would be uh, very insulting to the memory of the victims of German Nazism. Put it to you that way. I mean, that would be a gross exaggeration. As a Polish-American, I'm going to say in regards to Charlottesville, uh, that one thing that I noticed was that there were Soviet, you know, communist flags uh, amongst those attacking the, the neo-Nazis. And uh, so I condemn both sides because, and, and I just would like to point out to you that in Poland, it is uh, illegal to glorify communism in addition to Nazism. Uh, they were both totalitarian systems that killed millions of people. And it seems like in this country that part has been forgotten about. 
Um, and for Polish Americans, the, the specter of uh, Nazis fighting communists uh, was actually pretty scary um, because that's what, uh, you know, they eventually both ended up attacking Poland. And then both of them had their chance to uh, to do a lot of damage to Poland. Well, Stefan Komar, I want to thank you very much for being with us on Radio Curious. And before we close, I'd like to ask several questions about you. The first one being, um, could you share with us an aha or eureka moment in your life that changed your view of the world? I think I already touched on is when I, I went to Poland and I, I realized how, you know, people might have different opinions about things than, than you, that you should sometimes question uh, facts that are presented to, presented to you and this, and. and Think them over again, <laughs> you know, to see if they're absolutely right, um, and to basic and and you know, and then also then to always have that reserve of doubt, you know, never to be one hundred percent sure of what you believe in. Always be ready to say, you know what, maybe I was provided bad information, or the information provided to me was inaccurate, and that there are people who are sincere out there who are simply provided bad information and act on that bad information and 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 make mistakes. And if they had known had other information, they they wouldn't have done. Um, so that's something that I, I got when I when I moved to Poland for and began to encounter people with opinions that I you know I had never encountered before. <laughs> And can you tell us, um, what would you like to do with the remainder of your One Precious Life? Um, I would like to contribute to uh, dialogue, uh, certainly between the uh, Polish and Jewish uh, communities, uh, so that, um, you know, I I would love to see, uh, you know, uh, Poland and and Israel, uh, you know, being uh, very good friends and to sort of mediate or or discuss issues that are uh, controversial. And, uh, and try to sort them out and diminish uh, hostility and antagonism between, uh, between groups. And finally, Stefan Komar, is there a book or books that you could recommend to our listeners? Yes. One is by uh, Professor Biskupski, and it's called Hollywood's War with Poland. Kind of like an eye-opener for me. I discovered that during World War II there was actually a, a Bureau of Censorship in the United States, and basically all movies, for example, had to be approved by this uh, Bureau of Censorship. I would read that at the same time as you read a book called Dupes by uh, Kangor, and just shows you the extent to which certain powers and governments will go to influence uh, people which is sometimes can be very scary. Stefan Komar, I want to thank you very much uh, for joining us on Radio Curious. Thank you. Take care of yourself. Stefan Komar is a New York Police Department captain and is deeply rooted in Polish culture in New York and in Poland. He has shared some of his experiences and explained millions of ethnic Poles were killed along with millions of Jews in Nazi-built and controlled concentration camps in German-occupied Poland during World War II. The books Stefan Komar recommends are Hollywood's War with Poland, 